Hey, before we get going into our episode today, I just wanted to tell you something that we have going on now. We are going to be getting rid of Monday special episodes and we are just going to mix special episodes in with our weekly Wednesday episodes. So sometimes on Wednesdays you'll hear VBAC stories and sometimes you'll hear us interviewing a random guest or having a Q&A session with both of us. And we're really excited to do this for a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest ones is to free up some time so that we can spend perfecting some really, really, really awesome things that we have coming for you really soon. So thanks so much for your patience with us. And here is a brand new Wednesday special episode for you. Drop a note to us on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you think and let us know what you think about the new format, you know, Wednesday special episodes sometimes, VBAC stories, and guess what else? We're going to really confuse you by getting rid of the EP and SE on our episode numbers and just changing it to like one, two, three, four, five, etc. for the episode numbers. I hope that makes sense. If not, it doesn't matter. Come back and see us every Wednesday. You're going to get a fresh new episode. You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast. And today we have special episode number 25. And I'm really excited to share with you guys today our guest. This is Valerie. I have, don't think I've ever called her Valerie. I've called her Val. Val. Val is that what, do most people call you Val or Valerie? Call me either. Well, we okay. botched her last name. Yes. I try and say it. I've what always it? said Schwabble. 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 Yes. What is it? Schwabble. Schwabble. Yep. So because the L it's comes not before the B. Schwabby. Yeah. Schwabby. Yeah. If you if we actually just took the time to look at it, read the last name <laughs> Schwabby. Yeah. I mean, like, what, how did we miss that? I don't know. Val, we just call you the short we're, version. We're really excited to have her on today, though. <laughs> so we are going to dive in today into the pelvic floor. We know that this is an episode that you guys have been waiting for. So make sure to tune in. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Okay, so we're going to get going, and because I cannot read and speak aloud, <laughs> I want to have Julie read a little bit more about Val before we turn the time over to her and getting questions asked. So if you would take over, Julie, that'd be great. All right. Valerie Schwalbe owns Wellbeing Physical Therapy, and she is a native of Utah, Graduated from the University of Utah with a Bachelor in Exercise and Sports Science, a Master in Special Physical Education, and a Doctorate of Physical Therapy. She's attended and taught multiple specialty classes and continues to do so each year. She loves camping, hiking, Pilates, her dog, and spending time with her family. She looks forward to... I'm just reading on her bio. She looks forward to getting to know you and hearing your experience. But you know what? I know her, and I bet she does. And if you want to reach out to her, we're going to have her information for you at the end of her episode. But I really like this part on her website where she talks about well-being pelvic physical therapy and how it developed. Um, She's been practicing for about 15 years now, and she says, Regardless of where you begin, we all want to arrive in the same place, wellness. From simple to complex, each concern is valid and you never need to feel alone or different. Please know you have a partner and a friend to help trust, guide, and educate and refer to to ensure your goals are fully met. Maybe even some you didn't know you had. Mm, I do love that. I love that. And you know what? I'm just really excited to find out how I... um, 
how I can stop peeing a little every time I cough now. So <laughs> listen up because that is coming somewhere in this episode. <laughs> We're going to not let Val get off the phone here without um, talking about that, talking about my little issue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're excited. We're so excited. And we've got a list of many questions. So we want to make sure we start with Val and see if we can get all these questions in because we've got a lot of awesome questions. So Val, if you wouldn't mind, first off, tell us what a pelvic floor specialist covers like what what do you do well we do cover peeing your pants so don't be worried yes <laughs> um, that is that's on the list so as a physical I start as a standard physical therapist but then I've done specialized training uh, specifically for the pelvic floor also in uh, hormones and diet and trauma and so a lot of things that encompass pelvic health it sounds like we, we, need we to don't be call it Friends. Women's health anymore. So basically, we look at both anatomy and function and combine it together. So a lot of the conditions we treat are centered around pelvic health incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, musculoskeletal pain like SI, back pain, the DRA, the separation of the abdominal wall, anything that would be fascia, muscle, joint, posture, soft tissue. We put that all together to make sure that the body has correct movement patterns for the person's anatomy and then, of course, their goals and what their body has been through. That's Goal, awesome. Everything, all of it, all of it. Yeah. I love how, like, we've had a lot of guests recently just talk about how all these interconnecting parts work together. Mm-hmm. I love it. We had um, Christy with structural integration. We had mm-hmm. Stephen Richard, the chiropractor. I mean... Just all of these things. It's just really cool we to see, both. yeah, how everybody like integrates and works together to improve like your overall well-being. And mm-hmm. I love that. And your on your website where you talked about like just overall health. So much of modern medicine is is geared towards just treating our symptoms. But I love it when practitioners like you and Christy and Stephen worry about the overall well-being of a person and not just treating a symptom but looking and finding the overall cause of the issues. I love that. We spend an hour together addressing everything that could be contributing to the condition. So a lot of times people say, well, I don't know if this matters. Almost always it does. Mm -hmm. Or if it doesn't, we'll still address that or you wouldn't have brought it up. So it's, it's really comprehensive, head to toe, things you wouldn't even think, is that related to my pelvic floor? And that's why it's not a simple question to ask, why do I pee my pants? So it, we, I spend an hour often answering that question and, and finding out why. And so it's, it's, it's really important that we get into everything that could matter, especially if we're dealing with pregnancy and postpartum. Hormones can affect tissue quality and the, you know, the, the way we move differently after having a baby. Like our world changes. And so it's nice to just sit and listen to somebody for you know, an hour each visit and, and get into everything they're concerned with. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm personally speaking that I've had that visit where we sat down and we talked about my life and what's happening and what's going on in my body and all these things. And it, it was just refreshing to like, hear you like give me tips and suggestions and show me things to do. And I mean, I feel like I'm seeing a difference already. And so I love it. And I'm five years postpartum. Actually, no. Mm-hmm three years postpartum, Mm -hmm. five years from my (laughs) C-section. So isn't that interesting how I just referred that to, like I have not postpartum vaginally. That's weird. I don't know why I did that, but something maybe subconsciously. Um, Mm I am three years uh, postpartum, but, um, and I just wish so badly that I didn't wait so long to come see you. Um, Something that I also want to kind of add in, and I was with a client who is one of your patients, um, last night at a postpartum visit and she sent she's like a shout out to you for sending me Val's info she was amazing she's like the whole time I was pushing all I could think of what is what Val has taught me and she was like and I think it truly made a difference and mm-hmm. and I believe it did too I saw it like I saw it be effective and and not just her I've seen it be effective with um, other of my clients that other people that are my clients that you've worked with and so do you want to talk a little bit about you teach a like a push prep class. Mm-hmm. 
a push yeah. prep. That yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, exactly what you just described. So basically a pelvic physical therapist is the, the only person that can look at the pelvic floor directly and functionally. Obviously your OBGYN or midwife or someone can make sure that you know everything's okay from a healthcare perspective, but we're the only ones that look at does it work and work in the way that you're going to need it. So we can assess the pelvic floor and see is everything okay? Does it work well? And then also if we're going to use that to have a baby, I can literally show you what does it feel like to relax the pelvic floor and open it and prepare that for delivery. And if you need pressure, how do you apply pressure and keep your pelvic floor open at the same time? Yeah. And oh. some of that might be the what position are you in that you're more relaxed? Mm-hmm. We can get in all sorts of different positions and, and test it. Where are you relaxed? Where are you comfortable literally and physically? And then go over meditation and techniques and stretches and things to, to, to just promote opening. And then I can send that person you when they're in or I mean they'll go to you anyway but if they're if they have someone like you to continue that in the moment where they need it now we have this really great team that just the person is getting really consistent information yeah interesting can we talk about pushing a little more I just like have a question now and maybe you're gonna get maybe I'm getting ahead a little bit but um I just was at a birth where my client was a dancer and we know that like athletes Mm -hmm. and people who do like um, CrossFit CrossFit. and have Mm -hmm. been dancers and stuff like that tend to have like a tighter pelvic floor and just core muscles generally and sometimes Mm -hmm. they have a harder time relaxing them when it's time to give birth and it's interesting because my client this the whole time she was in labor we thought baby was posterior because her contractions were crumpling and when we did things a certain way, like her contraction pattern would regulate. But then even when she was pushing, they were coupling. Hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. by the time, all the work that we have done, but she was on her back and, and on her back never was a good position for baby. But it was always on her left side, not her right side, always her left side or always on her hands and knees. Contraction pattern was perfect. We were doing shake the apples. We were doing all sorts of things. And I honestly think that, well, first of all, the baby was nine pounds, three ounces and had a 14 inch head. But when this baby came out, it wasn't a posterior baby. He was asynclitic and I could see the molding on his head. It kind of looked like a, what's it called? It's like a, like a diagonal square. Like asynclitic? No, but yeah, the head was asynclitic. So the molding would look like, it's kind of like a, like a tilted box. What's this Mm -hmm. shape called where it's like angled? Not a trapezoid. I know you're talking about, but but like a trapezoid, but like the both sides angle the same way. Yeah. Like his head looked like that. And I was like, this mama, who had been a dancer, because I showed her some, like, um, fascia and ligament loosening exercises to get her pelvic floor and everything loosened up so the baby could get through. I was like, this mom pushed a baby, a nine-pound, three-ounce baby out, who was asynclitic. Mm -hmm. Because during pushing, I have never seen during pushing the contractions coupling. Can pelvic floor being too tight? Yeah, so can we talk about that? Like cause like baby to be in a weird and, spot, and people who have who who have been dancers before. Yeah, dancing is one thing that I do see pretty often that goes together with the pelvic floor, not just because of being an athlete, but also of the posturing between tucking your tailbone underneath mm, and drawing in the abdomen. Yeah. And it's a it's it's a it's an athletic thing that keep, tends to focus a little more on chronic tension. And that carries on, you know, the rest of your life. So I, I do treat a lot of chronic pelvic pain. That's basically mostly what I do. And a lot of it is chronic tension. And a lot of us do it and we don't know we're doing it. Like mm-hmm. right now, are we clenching? How, and how do you let it go? And to just tell someone just relax is, is actually kind of um, ridiculous. Yes. It would have worked by now if that's all it took. Mm-hmm. So and a lot of times there's a, a, so many different reasons of why someone could be chronically tight and we can spend that hour getting into it and we can spend weeks or months as this woman prepares to deliver 
going over what that is and what that looks like, and we can do it in a safe place where she has time. I mean, when you're in labor and you're trying to teach someone how to relax the pelvic floor, it might be too late. Mm -hmm. So you don't want the body triggering a trauma and a protective response when this is supposed to be a natural response. So we're supposed to be opening, but if the body is viewing this as something that is harmful, like separating, we can early on separate hurt from harm and teach that, yeah, this might hurt, you know, and as much as I love calling it a surge, like it hurts. <laughs> so, but we need to, to say that this is not harmful and teach the body that relaxing through pain is not harmful. It's actually really productive and can be a beautiful way to control the body. And learning what that feels like and getting feedback on this right here is what it feels like to relax your pelvic floor. And if you've had tightness a long time, there can be shortened tissues or tender points that can all we can work on ahead of time. And mm-hmm. so that the women going in can feel really prepared and really confident that she understands her body and the process and has a plan. And it actually still even you know, works fairly well. Even if you have an epidural, you can still control your relaxation and your breath Mm. and your pushing. It's interesting because when you say that, like this client of mine, she had taken hypnobirthing classes with her first and it was a VBAC mom, um, but she was so internal during her contractions. I didn't even know when she was having a contraction. Like near the end, it got to be intense enough that she would look down and her breathing would get heavier but I was literally looking at the contraction monitor to see when the um, contractions would come on and when to release my counter pressure. And I really think like there was a lot of things at work here, but I really think that she had focused. Her focus was so strong on just relaxing and not tensing up. That's how she got this huge baby out. Hmm. It was interesting. That's something that doesn't come naturally for a lot of us. Yeah. And well, now I'm just trying to analyze the yeah. whole thing over again in my head right now. It's not yeah, probably not the right time to do that. But anyways. And you <laughs> never know if someone's previous delivery was traumatic for them. If it was, and here they are again. If you're worried about something, any of us, if we're thinking the last time this didn't go well, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. the body is not, it's not its first, our instinct is not to relax if last time this happened it was bad. Well, so, exactly, yeah. And so it's it's something that we need to work on ahead of time so that we can separate that situation from this one and train it in a really safe place. Right. That makes a lot of sense. This woman did have a lot of trauma from her first birth. So it's interesting. I'm making all these connections now in my head, but we're going to get on to the next question <laughs> so that we can talk about well, lots of other things too. Yeah, so... <laughs> It kind of segues in. So we're talking about like before. So I think a lot of time when people think pelvic floor specialists, they think I'll go after delivery. Like it's something that you help with after delivery, which obviously this last few minutes we've been talking about how you help with pushing and everything. And so I kind of wanted to like retouch that. Like when should one start pelvic floor care? in pregnancy or postpartum like what when is it a good time to start and is there a time that it's too late never too late first of all i i have women who their problem is older than me i swear all the time and not not too late i ask well when did this start oh what with my last child okay when was that let's see he's 20 30 30 37 it's it's not too late, first of all. So ideally, everybody should go, right? We There could be an underlying issue, and you don't want to find out in labor. You don't want to find out once you're already peeing your pants or when you have pain. So it would be really nice if right away, you know, we had a review and a check and more of a, a preparation. That would be nice, but that isn't realistic for everyone. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, that's perfect world, but definitely go if you have any pain or if you have any leaks. Those things like are when you not cough. normal. <laughs> exactly. So, what can you do? So, and that goes for during pregnancy and 
after. So obviously not every moment of pregnancy is comfortable, but you shouldn't be in a pain that is limiting your activity in any way. It shouldn't be, I gosh, I, I mean, you might be tired or you might be a little sore, but you should not be significantly limiting your ability to function, to care for your other kids, to to work, whatever you exercise, whatever you want to be doing. And certainly pelvic pain, like, you know, if, if sex is painful, those, those kind of things definitely um, get that looked at. But also anytime you leak is not normal. And you do get a small window once you had your baby. Everybody heals at a different rate, but the point is you should be healing. So if six months from now you go into your physician and say, well, I'm still peeing my pants, and they say, give it time, that is not great. (laughs) Not good advice. (laughs) We want I mean, if you've had had major, you know, if you had more trauma in your delivery or if you you had more complications or something, it might take more time, but you Mm -hmm. should be following. Everybody's speed of healing is different, but you should be healing and you should start to be feeling like yourself again and your body should start to be recovering again. So if you just don't feel like something is right, it's not. Listen to that gut instinct and follow it. And just because your friends say, well, that happens to me too, that just means neither one of you is normal. <laughs> it just, it yes. doesn't. Yes. Mean, there's something wrong with both of you. Get it fixed. It, <laughs> the, we tend to confuse common with normal in this world. And, you know, in my world of public health and as women and, oh, well, what do you expect? I have four kids. Of course I'm going to pee my pants. Like that's mm-hmm. not okay. Mm-hmm. Any amount too. Or people say, I ask, oh, do you know, do, do you ever have any leaks? Like, oh, just, you know, just a normal little bit. I'm like, that's not normal. <laughs> You're like, just a normal. There is no, that's not normal. Normal is zero. So, yeah. and same with pain. The normal is none. And it, you don't have to be in a ton of pain. You don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be completely wetting your pants. Any amount is something that we could work on. And a little side note, like during pregnancy, we tend to wait and, uh, until the first trimester is over. Or um, if you do have a significant issue, we just get it cleared by your provider. Not because it isn't safe, but because people don't sign up for research studies to show if things are going to be safe mm, the first yeah, trimester. Yeah. Pregnancy. So especially if you've had fertility issues or if you had a, you know in vitro pregnancy or something like that, that just to be on the safe side, but that is only for internal work. You can still certainly do tons of things externally. You don't have to wait to, um, start. to start during your first trimester. Same thing with postpartum. Uh, we tend to wait on internal work till the six-week postpartum visit just to make sure, you know, you're cleared for infection and, you know, any every, everything is healing well. But I have seen um, people earlier yeah, I saw a woman that her tailbone hurt so bad she couldn't walk. She doesn't have to wait six weeks for that. We can address it right away if her provider is on board. So, but generally we wait until that six week visit, but all the more reason to do some of that prep work beforehand, because I can give you stuff to be doing during that six weeks. It, um, obviously the focus is on healing, but you're still going to be bending over. You're going to be changing diapers. You're going to be nursing there's lots of things we can go over in that six weeks to get you started um, right away to make sure you're healing appropriately. And in most of our listeners' cases, caring for a toddler as well. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, everything is different and your body's different, your hormones are different, your activities are different. So mm-hmm. we, we go over all of that. I have like a handout on, it's called the Web of Support. So it's like, you know, how much support do you have? Because it's going to look a whole lot different if you're a single mom of six kids than if, like, your mother lives with you and this is your first baby. So those kind of things really matter in a woman's postpartum healing. Mm -hmm. You know, and, like, everything you're saying, like, it just, like, confirms to me that, like, a pelvic floor specialist can really enhance a vaginal, the chances of a vaginal birth because you're working with, you're getting the mom or the, the woman in tune with her body and her pelvic floor and where where she needs to be and how she needs to do things to get this baby out. Is there anything that you'd like to add with that? Like as far as like enhancing a vaginal birth or things that pelvic floor specialists can do to help moms have a vaginal birth? Yeah, we also anytime when I mention pain, it's also not 
normal for your C-section scar to still be painful. Um, mm-hmm. It's normal for maybe some of it to be a little bit numb or maybe just a little bit more sensitive, but it shouldn't be like any other scar with an increased sensitivity. But a, a lot of women still say it still really hurts. Yes, and, during um, pregnancy the, too. Yeah, the earlier, the better. Ideally, we want to address that before you're pregnant again, because then there's, I mean, we can just do so much more with that scar. But we want we can make sure that that scar is moving well from the first, so that it uh, doesn't. It can be flexible for the upcoming one. Just a little side note: I can't provide mm-hmm. treatment advice here, but those little silicone patches are amazing for silicone um, patches. C-section scar. Yeah, it's under. It's a. It's like a wound care product, and it's like a little gel patch. I'm. I can't prescribe stuff on a podcast, but right. ask your provider if a gel patch would be. <laughs> um, so it's uh, like a little silicone patch that you can buy, and it's like just a little. They kind of feel like you know those stupid slap hand things your kids get. Yep. Yes. Oh my like, gosh. <laughs> I'm talking to other moms here. You guys get it. They kind of feel like those, and it provides a little bit of compression over the scar, and it can help heal that really nicely. Oh, interesting. And you know what but, I would say? Well, I know that a lot of the work you do too is like not only on the external scar, but affects the internal scar as well. And I would, mm-hmm. I don't have any evidence in front of me to like back up what I'm about to say but my logic is telling me that a scar that is more flexible and looser and moves more freely is probably a little less likely to rupture that is the idea Hmm. um the problem with the research is defining a scar yeah exactly you know how do you measure its elasticity or flexibility or anything like that without actually going in there yeah, and kind of, the different procedures. And, yeah. You know, did the, is this her first one? Is this her third one? Was it yeah. the same doctor? Are they mm-hmm. right or left-handed? To be honest, you can see a lot of difference in the way the the sutures are closed based on whether your surgeon is right or left-handed. Interesting. They, tend one, they tend to go one direction if they're one-handed and the other. And I wonder right. because of how <laughs> the uterus muscles, like the uterine muscles are I'm trying to put a thought together horizontal? here. Well, the uterus rotates the baby, mm-hmm. right? And so isn't the aren't the muscles like slightly diagonal or are they just plain horizontal? I'm probably sounding like an idiot right here right now. Mm-mm. I'm just trying to make a bunch of conclusions that probably don't exist, but I'm wondering if the left-handed versus right-handed thing has an ability of like it impacts how the uterus heals. Um it's not so much the uterus but the skin. Um, Mm -hmm. and that matters because of which side, um, because of the digestive system. So if you have more scarring on, you know, one side and where it's more near, you know, the IC valve or the small intestine, that matters a little more differently than if it's, you know, near the colon or still is more packaged. So it can affect your, um, digestive system as those intestines come back into place. But, and to answer your first question a little more specifically, it's, kind of anecdotal and clinical, but we've seen it a lot that, a, you know, a flexible, any tissue that moves well is going to function well, mm. better. Any, mm-hmm. the, the better we move, the better we function in right. every part of our body. And, you know, it's it, when we lose motion is when we tend to have problems. And right. so just like posture, I mean, sure, you should be able to slouch without pain. But if you lose the ability to sit up straight and that's stiff and really uncomfortable, that's where you have problems. (laughs) So it isn't that a posture is bad. Losing mobility is bad. So Mm -hmm. we we want to provide, like my mentor has this, you know, classical phrase that stuck with me for a million years. So I think of my job is when we remove the barriers, the body heals itself. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I remove barriers. It's not, I'm not a mechanic. You don't come in and get fixed. <laughs> I remove barriers and allow the body to do what it's going to do. And when you combine learning this person with normal anatomy and you combine those two things together, now you can see, is this a problem? Is this a mobility restriction? Could we improve this uh, and go from there? So Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about the barriers that make me pee a little when I cough. 
<laughs> I'm serious. I've had this like persistent bronchitis for like eight weeks. I went into my doctor and I, I usually avoid antibiotics because, well, for a lot of reasons, but I have an autoimmune disease. And when I have antibiotics, it just like tears up my gut, which flares up my mm-hmm. um, Hashimoto's and but like I'm, I'm a doula and I'm around babies. And if there's anything that's like anything at all, I want to be on top of it. Right. And so I went to the doctor, I had a sinus infection and an ear infection and bronchitis and all sorts of things. And seriously, every time I would go to bed, cause you know, you're upright all day and then you lay down and then your sinuses all readjust and then you start hacking up a lung. And I would seriously sit on a towel in my bed until I was done coughing. Like, that's how mm. bad it was. I just pee a little. Almost. Anyone's asleep on pee. Nobody. Nobody, nobody does. So let's nobody talk about that. Like, I know, obviously, you can't diagnose me or anybody else um, or, like, without a thorough evaluation. And, and But I'm seriously going to come and see you. But, like, what are some things, like, initially that maybe women can start doing on their own? Or, I don't know, like, what, what, how can I, how can I stop peeing a little when I cough? <laughs> so when when we lose urine and and it can happen with stool too or it can happen with prolapse, it's a pressure problem. Okay. So if you're losing pressure, you'll lose your organs or urine or whatever else you know happens to be in your area of weakness. So it's not as easy as saying do your kegels. Actually, that phrase alone kind of makes me twitch a little bit. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> First of all, what does that mean? Exactly. What, what does that mean? And if you say, oh, contract your pelvic floor. Okay, am I doing it? And who knows? Well, I, I know that's the point. <laughs> but you it, are, no, you when you're just you. sitting there and someone tells you, do your Kegels, and you tell that to 100 women, you're probably going to get 90 different ways of doing it. So mm. having someone show you what your body does is really beneficial. And a lot of, actually, most women do them wrong. When I see women doing them wrong, usually it's they're adding too much other stuff. It's actually easier than you'd think. So if I see a bunch of abdomen and glutes. Oh, yeah, um, I just squeeze everything. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it, it kind of helps because they're kind of related. And there's some fascia connections and things that relate your glutes and your adductors that inside of your thigh to your pelvic floor. And those can help, which is why it kind of works. But it's not direct and it's not the most efficient, which is why it also doesn't work. So looking at what is happening to pressure, specifically saying your cough, that's a lot of pressure. So we want to address, well, what kind of counter pressure do you need to make that a balanced system so you don't have these little leaks or big leaks even? So it's, well, if you had a C-section, what does your abdominal wall look like? You know, have you been affected mm-hmm. there? Is the abdominal wall weak? It has bronchitis settled into your lungs because your diaphragm and abdominal wall can't get a full... Because we should actually what? be coming out. <laughs> and if you're... So one thing you can think of yourself is you can do a little self-test. And if you cough and you feel your... and sit on something, something you can feel your pelvic floor. If you can feel that pressure going down, Uh not not the direction we want, but if you can can kind of contract your pelvic floor and, of course, get someone to help you do that, it'll actually help cough out. And so we want our coughs to be out, not on baby, but in general. And that's what we're designed to do. So even encouraging women to cough out is really important. And there's lots of little things like, Blood pressure medication can give you a dry cough, like little stuff like that that we talk about. But you know the <clears throat> that <clears throat> that like clear your throat noise <clears throat> that puts pressure. I felt <clears throat> it. Yeah, you know I that? felt it push down. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So we encourage people when so do when you do that outwards? <clears throat> nope. Yeah. So did it down? <clears throat> nope. Dang it! I'm gonna have to go and see you. <laughs> Make an appointment. Yeah, because you can say, "Oh, you're supposed to cough out. Oh, you're supposed to contract your pelvic floor. Or you're supposed to balance <clears throat> your pressure." But what does that mean? You know, yeah. some, having someone show you what that means for your body is, you know, to me like really valuable. Yeah. So that I mean, obviously, I find it valuable. That's where I spend my whole world. But it's it's so beneficial and then you take that information with you for the rest of your life 
So as you have one baby, three babies, menopause, you know, you're 100 years old, like you, your hormones change. And it's interesting you mentioned Hashimoto's too because hormone changes can affect tissue quality. And oh, so yes. balancing your hormones and your, your GI system is really important for pelvic health. Some mm-hmm. pelvic pain is a, is a GI issue. There can be food sensitivities. Oh, so yeah, I've got lots of those. We get into all of that stuff. And, you know, any kind of discomfort makes you have weird habits. You know, if you feel yucky in your tummy and you kind of suck it in all the time, that pressure's got to go somewhere. You know, again, back to the dancer thing, too. Like, if you suck your tummy in all the time, where's that pressure going? So I have these really wonderful little chickens in my office that I squeeze and gross everyone out. Chickens? <laughs> yeah. What? Have you not seen my, I have a prolapse pig and an incontinence chicken. <laughs> okay. I have not seen these. Um, first of all, <laughs> next time we're in your office, we're we gonna are going to look. That's interesting. Okay. Are we done with questions? Um, nope. <laughs> Okay, well, I need to go back. One more thing. I remember okay. the name of the shape. It's a parallelogram. Oh, yes. The, the parallelogram. Head. That's how the that baby's, baby's head, head looked. Which, like, really made... Because the baby, when he was coming out, he was straight away. And, but then they were still coupling. And he had this, like, little parallelogram-shaped head. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. I know. Well, it was... Anyways. That's, That's actually it a is. thing that we look at. Because you can tell if you have a lot of chronic tension in the pelvic floor based on poop. Is it okay to talk about poop on this show? It is okay. Yeah, we can um, talk about poop. <laughs> so if you've got soft enough stool that it changes shape, like, you know, like the Play-Doh machines, again, moms, yep. right? So if your stool becomes more ribbon-like, that can be a problem of chronic tension in the pelvic floor. Ribbon-like? Or if you have like, con- like, like yeah, squished? Like so instead of <laughs> like round, flat, it's flat. kind of flattened. That can be a problem. Or really, really thin, like tiny. Like, mm. obviously, it has to be small enough to be molded into that shape. But if you've got, like, a straw, like, that's a sign that that muscle, because mm. it's a circle shape. So if circle is an opening all the way, the diameter will be a lot smaller. Ladies, check your poop. Check your poop. There, oh, there's, oh, we could do My poop is not flat. Poop is like, <laughs> I know but that. also, the <laughs> Anyone that constipation, that's a, that's a pressure issue, too. So having a baby and having a poop are actually pretty similar. So if that's true. We, we, we don't want to, that's why everyone's afraid of it, because it happens. Mm. So, um, we, you know, we don't want to get into bad habits when you're not delivering either, because that's just a small moment of your life. So we, we want to make sure pressure is regulated all the other times of your life, too just not in that one moment of delivering a baby, but like, what are you doing every day too? Are you still having an imbalance of pressure? So yeah. that's yeah. kind of a tangent, but um, it's like interesting yeah. as it goes over. It's it's just one more sign of how is the pressure, how's the control, and can you disengage the pelvic floor is just, if not more important than can you engage. Because I to go back to your question about incontinence of what do I do about incontinence, I can't tell you how many women I have seen who, if they were told just do their kegels, even if doing them correctly will get worse, because if they're already too tight and you tell someone to exercise, <laughs> they will get worse. That's why I don't so exercise. You don't, <laughs> you don't know if someone is too tight, because fear of peeing your pants is not relaxing. No, nobody, uh, no. nobody likes to be the pants. So if you have chronic tension because you're afraid you're going to pee or you feel like your organs are falling out, you can actually need to address your chronic tension before you address your strength. Because like holding your hand in a fist all the time doesn't give you a strong hand. It gives you a weak and a painful hand, but it feels like it's helping. <laughs> so we can't just say do your kickles for everyone because mm-hmm. you don't know if they're already there, if they're already there. So that's what we look at. Interesting. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, if I sat in schools, my hand, like, it would feel strong at first, but then over time it would feel weak. And if I let it out, like, it would feel, like, tingly and weird. Well, Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. I was just thinking um, my oldest son has cerebral palsy. It's very, very mild. He's high-functioning. He goes to a regular school. Um, It's just his right hand and his right foot, like his right leg and his right arm, have... um, tightness in them Mm -hmm. and so like his ambidexterity is really really bad and he like when he runs he's always on his toe on his right foot and Mm -hmm. he's left-handed obviously and his right hand like 
Yeah, like imagine if someone was like holding some candy out to you and like say, hey, turn your hand over and like catch the candy and they like drop it in your hand. He can't turn his hand over like that. The wrist rotation is just not there. But that's because the characteristics of cerebral palsy and it's such a big mm-hmm. scale, like it's such a big, huge diagnostic scale, right? Mm-hmm. But is is overstimulation of parts of the body. So his brain is is like trying to speak English to a hand that can only understand Spanish and is like, okay, turn over, turn over, turn over. Why are you not turning over? Turn over. I said, turn over now, turn over. And it's like trying to like communicate when the hand doesn't ever understand. And so it's sending all of these signals causing that tightness and the tension, Could that which, happen in the pelvic floor? which is causing, well, probably not because of cerebral palsy, but well, no. maybe, but like, no, no, no. I'm just saying in general, yeah. Like if our pelvic floor is too tight, yeah, because it's be because it, it doesn't know how yeah. to relax. Well, because I'm my son's hand is always like tight, even when he was would sleep, like his hand would just be like in this fist, because the over tightening causes it to be weak, which is why his wrists don't rotate. And I mean, we're doing a lot of different things to help him, but mm-hmm. um, but it makes a lot of sense. And so, going back to what Megan is saying, is whenever I cough. I'm like, oh, don't pee, don't pee, don't pee, don't pee. And I'm like squeezing my pelvic floor, squeezing my bottom of my undersides while I'm coughing, trying not to pee, Mm -hmm. which is actually doing more More harm harm. because I'm overstimulating all those parts. I don't you, but we want to make sure first you're contracting the right part and in the right amount. And there are times when the maximum contraction is totally appropriate. And I have a lot of patients who are like ultra power lifters and they're going to need a max contraction and it's okay. Mm. But, but most of us kind of aren't there. So either a max contraction can make from the abdominal wall can put too much pressure on the floor. It also, we can kind of lose some of our resilience. You know, if you take a hammer to a rock, it's going to break. (laughs) If you take a hammer to a trampoline, it doesn't. So oh, it's interesting analogy. We mm-hmm. we need the resilience too, and if you're already tightened all the time, you lose some resilience, and you can essentially I don't want to say break because I I hate making people sound broken, but it's a great analogy. So you just can't overcome a force if you're too rigid. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, if you're really tight and you try to react to something, like your son, if he's already tight. He has to relax first before he can turn his hand over. Yeah. And that isn't his neurologic connection. Right. Interesting. It is interesting. Hmm. I'm learning lots. Um, We have one more question, if that's okay. Um, I can talk all day. I'll talk to anyone who will listen. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're like. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Um, so glad you guys want to talk about this with me. Yes. Absolutely. So I want to talk, and this is more into, as of recent events, as of this recording, but we had a post that went pretty viral, and we had a mom who, we, we get these types of followers, that was very, 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 very pro-C-section. Which and is fine. Which is just fine. It's just fine. But... Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why she said she pretty much didn't like our page is because we don't talk about the consequences and the risks to the woman's vagina. And I thought that was interesting because one of the things that I think a lot of people don't know is obviously like vaginal birth, you're passing a baby through your birth canal, out of your vagina. So there are things, which is what we're talking about, like incontinence <laughs> and stuff that is stuff like that. However, I would like to just point out with myself that like, I actually have a lot of issues too from my C-sections. And so I wanted to ask a question about, I mean, obviously we know like you're there to help women like push their babies out and help their pelvic floor and be efficient. But can we talk a little bit about C-sections and how C-sections and the scar itself, but C-sections can actually affect our pelvic floor more than we may think because we're, we're not passing a baby through a vagina, right? Our baby's coming out of our abdominal cavity. So a lot of people think that we're 
saving our vaginas. And I've actually heard providers here in Utah. And that's how they do it in Brazil. Suggest, yeah, suggest Uh it to a woman saying, save your vagina, have a C-section. So can we talk a little bit about the repercussions as well of a cesarean and how that can affect your pelvic floor? Really quick, is that okay? My mind's about to get blown. I can just know it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So first of all, you don't have to ever be pregnant to have a pelvic floor dysfunction. That's like, that is like really, really important to know. Children have pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm -hmm. There's, and there are specialized, that's a specialty within a specialty to have a, a pediatric pelvic floor physical therapist. That's a thing. So you, and, um, the most recent, Research, you know, which I need to make sure is still accurate, is that one in seven women can have, you know, a pelvic floor dysfunction without ever having a baby. So that is out there for everyone, that pregnancy isn't the only thing that can cause problems with your pelvic floor. But we are designed to have the baby that way. So I don't know if your brains are as weird as mine, but when I saw that Magic Host commercial, I thought, that's like a vagina. So the what commercial? We, magic, the magic hose. You know, it's a hose, oh, and when it, it's at rest, it's like this tiny little ball, and then when, when it fills with water, it's like this. <laughs> I don't. Now watch you're not TV. gonna I don't. watch that. Now I'm gonna go find it. Yeah, everyone, look it up. Magic. I know hose I should commercial. be like. I probably shouldn't use brand names on here, but like that's what, so. At rest, we are squishy and bumpy mm-hmm. because we're designed to expand. Mm-hmm. So first of all. We're supposed to. And if the muscles are working correctly, there has to be something, you know, significant with a woman that her pelvis is too small, things like that. So that does that does happen. I don't want to discount those women, but it's not a, a thing that is as real common. as it is said. So first of all, why in the world were you having a C-section? Some women go into labor have the baby descend and still need a C-section. So there's that. Those those women can have both effects mm-hmm. of the pelvic floor as well. Well, you get all the way to pushing, but oh, then yeah. end up with a oh. C-section anyways. And so... Yes. And then let's also not forget the nine months of a person sitting on top of your guts. So mm-hmm. there's that, that, you know, you can have an impact of, of gravity, of that fascial movement, of the habits we create during pregnancy with the way we walk and how frequently we urinate. And so there's that. But then also the most recent research, I just had heard this the other day at a talk by one of our brilliant researchers here in town. She's, they say that I think it was after the second C-section, the pelvic floor dysfunction is equal, whether you've had vaginal or C-section deliveries. After just two mm C-sections, It doesn't yeah, matter. I don't have to quote that study she she cited, but um, you're just as likely to have dysfunction because you know. And, and I heard on one of your other podcasts, you know, about all the layers that go through the abdominal wall. There's like seven layers between the world and your baby, mm-hmm. and you know, your surgeon does the very best they can do, but it's just impossible to so go one to one, two to two, and three to three. It's it just doesn't happen, mm-hmm. and so you have. You've done um, a transverse cut, so like a horizontal cut through fascia that is not, and muscle that is not horizontal all in all its layers. So you can lose strength in the abdominal wall, which is the other, I mean, that's the part of that pressure system we were talking about earlier. So if that can very well heal on its own. A lot of women go back to have, you can have a baby and not have dysfunction and that's great, but it doesn't it doesn't save you to do it that way because you're still affect you still carry the baby, you're still affecting your abdominal wall, and then also your activities after having your baby are different. And everybody knows that a C-section is abdominal surgery. They tell you don't go back to work if you've had your appendix out, but now you have this person mm-hmm. to take care of. So it's really difficult to follow post-operative precautions so it's it's hard to make sure that all those muscles are recovering well and just because you have a vaginal delivery doesn't mean you're going to have a pelvic floor dysfunction either I mean Mm -hmm. my job is to be here when it does but I see the people when it doesn't 
go well. If there's mm-hmm. so many times a vaginal delivery is fine and you don't need me and mm-hmm. that is great. And, you know, of course, I'd like to make sure. But none of, the bottom line, none of us are safe from anything. <laughs> so You're screwed. If yeah, we all have equal <laughs> chance of being hosed. No, it's <laughs> we're all dysfunctional. We're all in this <laughs> but it's it doesn't it doesn't necessarily save the vaginal wall, but it also doesn't necessarily ensure that you're not going to have other problems elsewhere. So somebody needs um, to tell the Brazilians this. Yeah. No, they do. They have like ninety five percent cesarean rate because of that. Well. Yeah, and a lot of it is, like, financial. Like, if you are poor, you have a vaginal birth. Yeah. It's really, yeah. it's cultural yeah. stuff. It's a lot of, yeah, yeah, well, it's a lot of cultural things. Well, remember breastfeeding used to be for poor people, you know, yeah. that, and now it's, like... And Brazil's amazing you know, in breastfeeding there, so... Yeah, so it used to be, oh, you breastfeed, you must not be able to afford formula. I mean, I'm quite a bit older than you guys, but that's a that was a thing, too. So a lot of what we do with our postpartum care is cultural. That's true. All right, well, we are out of time, but why don't you tell people, we have a lot of listeners in Utah, um, I know I am going to be the first to make an appointment with you, <laughs> but everyone else that can come in after me, why don't you tell people how to find you um, and where, what areas you serve? So, yeah, I mean, those of you in Utah will know where um, Murray is, but basically it's Salt Lake. And my website is www.wellbeingphysicaltherapy.com. I have a lot more information on there. There's a patient portal where you can schedule your own appointments online. And I kind of go into my theories and philosophies. I really want to make sure that treatment is a good fit for both, that you're really comfortable. And even I, I get people who live out of state that either travel or sometimes we'll do online appointments if that's appropriate or I can guide you toward a provider in your area there's a group of us that stay in contact for this very reason and refer to each other across the country that's awesome and we are going to have a link to her website right in the show notes and you can find the show notes in your podcast app or if it gets a little complicated you can always go to the vbacklink.com slash podcast to find all our episode show notes there would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.